Well, this is the third and final part of the message series we've been doing called Rooted. You remember that on our Vision Sunday, we talked about what are we going to do as a church now that we have finished, completed at the end of last year, the plan that we were on, the 2020 vision. And what does the Bible say about once a vision has been completed or fulfilled? It says a vision fulfilled is a tree of life. And so you may remember we talked about the church being a tree of life, but what we're doing in this three-part series is we're talking about you and I being trees of life, that we want our lives to be rooted. The, the Bible tells us that uh, we should be rooted and grounded in Christ. And so the three things that we've been talking about is the first part was rooted in Christ. Our faith should be in Christ and Christ alone, okay? And so we need to, ha we need to make sure that we never stray away from the focus of our faith. So we need to make sure that our faith is in Christ. You know, there's a, there are different cults and sects and groups that, um, that study the Bible, and some of them study it really in depth. But it's all to do with working out knowledge and history and so on. And they never actually come to, a, they, they get to know the book, but they never come to know the Jesus of the book. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures because you think in them you will find life. But what you don't realize is those are the very things that point to me. It's in Christ that we find life and in Christ alone. And so the important thing is that our faith is in Jesus Christ and that our faith is really rooted, that our roots go down deep into Christ. But then last week we saw that we do also have to be grounded in the Word of God because it is the Word of God that will teach us about Christ. And so the Bible tells us, you know, there's a parable of the sower and it talks about how when a preacher is preaching, it's like a, a farmer casting seed out into the field. And that seed will land on different soil types. The soil types are our hearts. Some people are hard-hearted and they won't let the seed get in and so on. Some people are very shallow in their faith. It's not good soil, it's rocky ground. There's all kinds of distractions there. And the Bible tells us that if the Word, if the Word of God does not take root in our heart, it might look like we've got faith for a short time. It says we might spring up quickly and then die away because we've got no roots. And so it's really important that the Word of God takes root in our heart. But today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So today we're, it is called watered by the Spirit because it is really important that we have an ongoing, genuine relationship with God. That, uh, that we know His presence in our lives. That it's not like, now that you've become a Christian, you're still going through life on your own, but one day you'll die and then you'll meet God. No, 
if you haven't met God down here, you could be in trouble over there, okay? It's here we need to meet with the living God, and we develop a relationship with Him, and we are watered by the Spirit. A tree needs, its roots need to be watered so that that tree can grow and bear fruit. And so it's really important, once we've put our faith in Christ, that we are feeding on both the Word of God and the Spirit of God. You know, there are some Christians that are really committed to Scripture, but not to actually experiencing anything that Scripture talks about. They will discuss it, they will dissect it, they will debate it, but they seem to be scared to experience it. And then there's other people that want to experience the things that Scripture talk about, and so they're also always chasing after the next experience, but they don't know the Word of God very well, so they don't really know when an experience is something they should be going after or not. You know, there's some people that are always chasing after signs and wonders. Oh, there's miracles happening over there. We must all run over there. But the Bible doesn't say that Christians should follow signs and wonders. It says signs and wonders should follow Christians, right? And so when I became a Christian, there was a saying that was taught to me, and it's helped me throughout my life. And if you, know, if you know Christians or have been part of churches that go to one extreme or another, you'll appreciate this. This was a little saying that I was taught. If you just have the Word of God, you'll dry up. If you just have the Spirit of God, you'll blow up. But if you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you'll grow up. And so the importance is to make sure our faith is grounded in what Scripture truly teaches, but also to not just know that intellectually, but to experience it and to live it out in a real life, to know the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we call this watered by the Spirit because it's based on Psalm 1. And I want you to look at this. This is from the book of Psalms. This is number one, the first one there. And it says this, blessed are those. If you want to be blessed, give me a little wave with your hands. Right, you want to be blessed. Here's how to do it. Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor stand around with sinners, nor join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Now, I want that last phrase there, just to be clear, it doesn't say, and they reluctantly plow through their daily Bible reading. Does it say that? No. It's not a chore. It's, there is a hunger within them. They delight in the law of the Lord. They're grounded in the Word. But it's more than that. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. This isn't just learning information, but this is 
having the Word of God soak into your life, meditating on it day and night. You know, last year, there was about a four-month period I couldn't get those one passage of Scripture. I just couldn't get away from it. It was on my mind all the time. I'd wake up in the morning and I would think about this. Well, actually, not right away in the morning, but after two coffees and a shower and my brain woke up, I would start thinking about this, you know. And, um, uh, and, so, and it was like I was stuck in this passage. The Lord was trying to get all the truth out of it. The Lord was trying to. The Lord wasn't trying to do anything. The Lord was doing it. Um, he doesn't try. He, have you ever noticed the way we talk? I think the Lord's trying to tell me something. No, the Lord is telling you something. You're trying to listen, okay? Um, so the Lord was teaching me something through this, but it, just reading it the first time didn't work. Meditating day and night, soaking in it. And then look what happens. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. What's the difference between a tree planted along the riverbank and a tree in the middle of the prairie someplace? What's the difference? The tree in the middle of the prairie someplace, the only water supply that it has is when the rain falls. When the rain falls, that tree will get water. When the rain doesn't fall, that tree doesn't get any water. But the tree that is by the riverside, its roots are going down. And if, you, you know, if you're in a kayak and you're going down a river, you will see the riverbank. You see the tree roots in the riverbank. It has a continual water supply. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. That's interesting. Their leaves never wither. And they prosper in all they do. Let me tell you something about trees with leaves and with fruit. That this image is used a lot in the Bible about trees having fruit and trees having leaves. And very often it's, this image is likened, sometimes it's likened to groups of people, maybe the church or Israel. But very often it's to individual people. And what this is talking about is this is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, let me just backtrack a little bit. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God's presence, okay? So God is omnipresent. His presence is everywhere. His presence is there when you're aware of His presence and also when you're not aware of His presence. His presence is there. But when we become aware of God's presence, when we experience things from God, we could experience His presence, we could experience a healing, or whatever it may be, um, that is the Holy Spirit that is at work. The Bible says, where can I go from your spirit, and where can I hide from your presence? If I go away over there, you're there. If I go away over here, you're in your presence, your spirit is everywhere. Now, the Holy Spirit does a work in our lives. In fact, when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was actually at work in your life before you came to Christ. First of all, when you are beginning to be convicted of the truth of the gospel, maybe the gospel's true, maybe I am a sinner. Maybe I'm lost. 
Maybe God is real. Maybe Jesus is God's son. Maybe he did die in the cross. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit who will convict the world. So when we are part of the world, we are influenced by the Spirit. I will convict them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit's at work in our life. And then when we come to faith in Christ, we are born of the Spirit. We are spiritually born. And the Spirit dwells within us. We are given the seal of the Holy Spirit. But then as we go on in our Christian life, there's so many other times that we can encounter the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Bible talks about being baptized or empowered by the Spirit. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks' time on Pentecost Sunday. The Bible talks about many occasions we see in the Bible where they were filled with the Spirit. And then they were at a church gathering and, the, the, and God moved and they were filled afresh with the Spirit. But the two main things that the Holy Spirit does in our life is the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And with, on a tree, this is what the fruit and the leaves symbolize. The fruit of, if a tree is bearing fruit, that symbolizes us bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are fruits that are produced in our life by the Holy Spirit. And then the leaves symbolize the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know if you're aware of this, but before wrapping paper was invented, if you lived in the ancient Near East and you were going to give a gift to somebody, you would get a big palm leaf and you would put the gift in the middle and fold the palm leaf over it. And then you would get one of the little you know, strings, I don't know what you call them, bits that come off the palm tree, and you would use that as a ribbon and tie it. And so if somebody came with a load of leaves, you knew there was a gift in there. And so the leaves on the trees symbolize the gifts of the Spirit. Doesn't the Bible say in the book of Revelation, and the leaves of the tree bring healing, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit. So God wants us, and the gifts of the Spirit are are. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, uh, miracles, healing, and faith. Nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruit of the Spirit. A healthy tree bears both fruit and leaves. Jesus cursed the fig tree, symbolizing the temple in Jerusalem, because it had a whole load of leaves, a whole load of religious activity, but no fruit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit, right? Look, bearing fruit each season, each season. Somebody's unkind to you, that's a season for you to produce love. The whole world is angry and depressed, that's a season for you to produce joy and so on. And it says they will never wither. Let's just have a look at this image. I think I've got an image coming up here. Here's a tree by a river bank. You can see its whole root system there. And you can see how it's, even if it didn't rain there for a long, long time, that tree has a large reservoir of water to supply its needs. 
unlike the tree in the prairie, which is hoping for the next bit of rain to fall. Listen, it is good when the rain falls. It's good when showers of blessing come from heaven. It's great to be, to be part of a church service and somebody else has actually thought through all the worship songs and put them together and somebody else has actually got some passages of scripture and put them together and other people are going to be leading in prayer and you come here and we're like a forest. We're here with our branches extending up and the rains are coming. You're being blessed from heaven. There's little showers of blessing. You know, halfway through the third worship song, that line just speaks to you and it just kicks in and, oh, I'm under the blessing of God. Or, or three quarters of the way through a message, there's a passage of scripture shared and it's right, speaks right to you and, oh, you're under the reins of God. But make sure that your root system is not simply relying on Sunday services at church to water you. You want to be like a tree by rivers of water. You don't want to have to wait till you come to church next week and another little showers of blessing come upon you. You want to have a relationship with God that the river of his spirit is flowing from his throne, from his heart to you every day. You have your own strong, deep relationship with God. You can draw upon the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, whether you're at church or not. Even while you're sleeping, while you're asleep at night, that river is flowing to your spiritual roots. And you wake up and it's like, wow, I had a strange dream last. I think that means something. My goodness, even while I'm asleep, God is awake and he's sending rivers of his spirit my way. So we need to get our roots down deep and we need to have our own relationship with God where we actually experience his presence. Let's look, look at what Jesus said in John's gospel here. He said, it says here, on the last day, now this was, this was a, a festival that, that they were at, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds. I've never noticed that before. Jesus was a shouty preacher. You know how in the movies, the Jesus movies, he, he, he's also always very and he's always got a finger up in the air. I don't know if he's testing what direction the wind's coming. <laughs> he was a real dude, you know what I mean? He was a guy. And he was trying to get his message across. So he shouted to the crowd. And he said to them, anyone who is thirsty may come to... Oh, I need to tell you this. At this festival, it doesn't tell us this in the passage but any Jewish person reading this would know it, that one of the things that they did in the temple was that the priests got a big jug of water and poured out, supposedly symbolizing God pouring out his spirit. But it had just become a religious ritual, you know? It was kind of like, you know, you shuffle by, hey, Domine, Patri, Fili, Spiritu, Sancto. Next, production line. It was like that. It was a religion. And Jesus is like, you're missing the whole point. So as they're pouring the waters out, natural water out a stone jar, well, a human being doing it, Jesus is saying, you're missing the point. If anyone is thirsty, spiritually thirsty, 
Let them come to me, not to a religion, not to a temple, not to a set of doctrines, but to a living person, Christ himself. Let him come to me and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from their heart. As we are full of the Spirit, it flows out of us, will flow from our heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. After his, his resurrection, he ascends back to heaven. And then on the day of Pentecost, two weeks' time, he poured out his Spirit. And so that Jesus is saying here, Jesus is saying, come to me. I will give you something that will satisfy your spiritual thirst and that something is the Holy Spirit. It's like, imagine you'd been trudging through the desert for days. You're tired, you're weary, and you're dry. And then someone gives you a big glass of ice-cold, refreshing water. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us spiritually. It's when, not just, now you could look at the glass of water, you could discuss it, you could measure it, you could analyze it, you could see how much acid and alkali is in it and all of that kind of thing, but none of that's gonna do you any good until you actually drink it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Drink of the Spirit. You're not just supposed to believe in Jesus. You're supposed to experience His living presence in your life. When I first became a Christian, there was an old hymn that we used to sing a lot. I can't remember it, but I can remember the chorus. Um, he lives, he lives Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Does he walk with you and talk with you? Do you know, um, this is a living relationship. We're supposed to have this living. Some Christians just never seem to experience anything. I remember many years ago, we had this guy in our church and he's like, I never experienced anything. And everybody prayed for him. I mean, everyone in the church had prayed for him. I prayed for him a few times. Every famous preacher that came, we got him down the front, lay hands in this guy and see if something happens. He was like, nothing happens, never. It's like, have you ever felt anything? No. <laughs> and it was the most bizarre thing to me. I mean, we, we even would at times say, like, are you genuinely saying, yes, I'm genuine, I put my faith in Christ. And I just could never understand it because there is something, when I came to Christ, stepping into a spirit-filled atmosphere suddenly felt like oh, I am home. I am where I was always created to be. And God wants us to be people who drink deeply, who actually experience deeply the presence of God. And not only is God saying that to us, Jesus is saying it here, but that should be the message of the church too. Look at the book of Revelation here. 
book of Revelation, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely of the water of life. Well, who is the spirit? The Holy Spirit, God himself. God is saying, come, come and be filled. Be filled with me myself. But it's not only the spirit that says come, the bride is saying come. What's the bride? The bride of Christ, the church. Our job is to tell people, come, come to the table, come to the altar, come to the waters, come and dip yourself in. Come and be filled, come and drink freely of the waters of life. You know, experiencing God, experiencing God is, uh, isn't something that just kind of like happens when you get zapped. It can't happen that way. I mean, it, it does happen that way. I've been zapped. I've been in church services where I just went along as I you know, to be part of the church service, and I'm sitting there, and without me expecting it, God suddenly, boom, comes down upon me through something that's going on in the service and speaks to me or challenges me or sets me free from something or redirects my, my priorities or something like that, just out the blue, being zapped by the power of God. There's, there's nothing more wonderful than that. But we cannot rely on that. Miracle, God does miracles sometimes because we're in a pit and we can't get ourselves out of the pit. And there's nothing we can do to help ourselves. And somebody prays for us. And as they're praying for us, they get a prophetic word. It's the gifts of the Spirit. And they begin to speak something over us. And you know, that, that must only God knew all that stuff about my heart. This must be God. And that lifts you. It lifts your spirit. It lifts you out of the pit. He lifts us out of the miry clay and he sets our feet on a rock and we think, I'm free. But if you don't put your roots down deep, if you don't develop your own personal experiential relationship with God, you're going to fall in the pit again. And you're going to have to wait for somebody else to prophesy you out of it. But if you get out of it by a miracle, by a blessing, by a zapping, by a gift of the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be, you are then supposed to practice the presence of God. Learn to build an experiential relationship with God yourself. In the Middle Ages, there was a famous monk called Brother Lawrence who wrote a tiny little book, a tiny little booklet called Practicing the Presence of God. Sometimes it's published under the title Practicing the Presence of Jesus Christ or Practicing the Presence of God. And let me tell you about this monk. He, this guy joined the monastery because he wanted to know God and he wanted to get closer to God. And he imagined, it's kind of like, you know, when people join the church, when people start working for a church for the very first time, they imagine that, we're all going to be praying and reading the Bible and levitating around the building all day long or something like that. And then they find out it's a job like every other job. There's work to do. 
what, I'm not getting paid to just read the Bible and float in it. No, you're not. You're getting, doing a job. Well, that was what he found out. He thought he was going to be in raptures of the Spirit every day, knowing God in a new way. Until they said to him when he arrived, you're the pot washer in the kitchen. That's your job. Scrubbing all the pots. And he began to develop a bad attitude because he thought his work was taking him away from knowing the Lord and drinking deeply of the Spirit of God until God began to show him, my presence isn't just in the chapel where you go to sing hymns and pray. My presence is in the kitchen at the sink where you're scrubbing pots. You're, look at all of this amazing time that you've got, not engaging your brain or your heart, just going... <laughs> you could use that to get to know me. And he developed a personal relationship with God while scrubbing the pots. And he wrote this little book, and I've got a quote from him. Here, Brother Lawrence, there he is there. He says, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. Listen, see one, Listen, see if you're one of these people that has doubts about your faith and you hear contradictory interpretations of verses of Scripture and it, it confuses you. Can I just tell you something? No one, no one will ever talk you out of your faith if you know God. Ah, what you believing in God for? God doesn't exist. You may as well say to me, my wife doesn't exist. I have a wife. She does exist because I know her personally. And there is a God. He does exist because I happen to know him personally. He walks with me and talks with me. Oh, you're just hearing voices. Well, it's funny because when people hear voices, it usually causes their life to fall apart. But whenever God speaks to me, it causes my life to finally fall together and everything to come together. No one can talk you out of God if you know him personally. And so he says it's the presence of God is the most important thing. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment, without limiting the conversation in any way. See if you get into this kind of prayer, it's funny, it becomes conversational. You, you, you do those things, you, you're, you're praying, and then, and then your mind, what, and you say, oh, sorry, Lord, my mind wandered there. Where was I? Getting, what, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, that was what it was. Thank you, Lord. And you get back into it. It's a constant communion with the Spirit within. I want to finish with a passage of Scripture from Isaiah. Because if we put our roots down deep, and if we are soaking in the presence of God, we're actually becoming aware of it, experiencing it, maybe in the stillness of prayer and Bible meditation, or in a moment of worship, or may maybe it's through some miraculous or instantaneous or spontaneous move of the Holy Spirit. We're moved, but we're experiencing, what does it do to us? Isaiah tells us. This famous passage, you will remember, was the very first sermon Jesus publicly preached. 
He stood up in the synagogue. He was handed the scroll and he unrolled it till he found this passage. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't just change you. It begins to splash out of you and affect other people. It causes you to be used by God. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Let's read on. The next verse. He will give a crown of beauty for ashes. You know, in the old days when you were in mourning, you, you put ashes on your head as a sign. And what he's talking about is washing all that off and pouring oil over your head like when a king is anointed and then putting a crown on your head. You will rule and reign victoriously over all the circumstances that have held you back when the anointing of the Spirit is upon your life. Um, a festive praise instead of despair. And what happens to us when we're anointed by the Spirit? They will become what, church? Say it again. Oaks of right, not tumbleweeds with no roots, not blades of grass, but oak trees, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for his own glory. I want to encourage you that if you can get your roots down deep, your spiritual roots, if you can be rooted in Christ, grounded in the word of God and watered by the Holy Spirit, if you can have a deep faith in those three areas, I know that things can come into your life that can knock you off course. I know that our lives have more roots than that. For instance, if you're married and you've got kids and you have a family and you all live together in a home, then your life is also rooted and grounded in your family. Um, if you have a particular career that you're grounded in, that you're rooted in, that you're committed to, there's lots of things in our life that also keep us grounded. But all of those other things can be taken away. All of those other circumstances can totally and completely change. And sometimes you might be saying, my trust is in the Lord. But then your spouse leaves you, your boss fires you, the doctor tells you a, a negative report about your health. And all of a sudden, your whole world collapses overnight. Well, were those roots really deep? It is true that other roots can sometimes be pulled out from amongst us. And it can seem like our life is collapsing. But if you have those three roots, if you are rooted in Christ, if your faith is in Christ alone, 
not in the circumstances of your life or the way, the, the way you hope things will go, but in Christ alone. If you are grounded in the Word of God and you are sowing good seed in there, and if you are being watered by the Spirit and are developing a real, strong, deep relationship with God, then no matter what circumstances come your way, you will stay rooted, you will continue to grow, you will grow leaves and you will bear fruit, even if everything else in life has come against you. I want to show you this final picture before we pray of this tree. This, when I found this, it had a caption above it and it said, this tree fell years ago, but it's still flourishing because this tree was blown over and you can see how many of its roots have been ripped out from the ground. But there's still a few. There's just enough roots still under that even though the tree is lying on its side, nothing is going to stop that tree flourishing. I don't know if bad circumstances have come your way, if people have hurt you, if Christians have damaged you, if a church got you caught up in false doctrine and it shook your faith, if you, if you uh, feel like some tragedy has happened that's knocked you over in life, you you might have been knocked right over by the adverse winds of life. But if you can be rooted in Christ, grounded in the Word, and drink of the Spirit, you might look like a beat up, broken down oak tree, but you will still flourish in life. God will supply all your needs through those roots and everything you need to accomplish in life, you will regardless of what's come against you. So we're going to stand together. We're going to stand up. We're going to pray for all of us, those of us who are just newly planted saplings, those of us that are strong oak trees that have been growing in a relationship with God for decades, and those of us that feel like that tree, we feel like our life's been knocked over, we are going to pray that God's blessing causes all of us to flourish. Are we ready, church? Lift your hands up to heaven. Let's say this prayer, one, two, three. Father God, today I ask you to fill me afresh with your spirit, love, and power. May Jesus Christ be the center of my life. May your word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. May my roots go down deep into the soil of your love. May my life be grounded in you. May I be filled to overflowing with all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shouted, Amen.